0: Welcome, football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lythra. Hello, football fans. This is episode 107, more letter of intent signings and releases. This episode is brought to you by our friends at TrueVictor. If you are not perfect, if you have ever struggled, if you have ever failed, if you have ever been the underdog, if you have ever doubted yourself or been doubted by others, if you want to get better, be better, and make our world better, this is the perfect brand for you. Founded by U.S. military veterans, True Victory is a sportswear and streetwear brand dedicated to building everyday champions on and off the field. True victory is not simply a company, they're a cause. Its purpose is to transform lives and elevate humanity through the power and unity of sports, positive stories, and serving others. They are dedicated to the game, the grind, and the globe. But most importantly, they are dedicated to you. If you want to strive for something better while proudly showing others your determination, grit, and supporting people like yourself, Check out the True Victory Shop by simply clicking on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code PLAYER54 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. This week, we have more XFL transactions. In addition, Arlington Renegades wide receiver Juwan Manigo joins the show to discuss his football journey and joining the defending XFL champions. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On December 12th, the XFL Communications Department announced seven players have signed letters of intent with the league's Arlington Renegades, Houston Roughnecks, and St. Louis Battlehawks. On December 13th, the XFL Communications Department announced eight players have signed letters of intent with the league's Houston Roughnecks, Orlando Guardians, San Antonio Brahmas, and St. Louis Battlehawks. Also on December 13th, the DC Defenders released nine players. For a list of the players released, visit the XFL Transaction page. On December 14th, the XFL Communications Department announced two players have signed letters of intent with the league's Orlando Guardians. On December 15th, the XFL Communications Department announced 19 players have signed letters of intent with the league's Arlington Renegades, D.C. Defenders, Houston Roughnecks, Orlando Guardians, San Antonio Brahmas, and St. Louis Battlehawks. Also on December 15th, the Houston Roughnecks released 13 players for a list of the players released, visit the XFL transaction page. As I had previously mentioned, we will now be joined by Arlington Renegades wide receiver, Juwan Manago to discuss his football journey and joining the defending XFL champions. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come out to the show, to discuss your football journey and ultimately becoming an Arlington Renegade.
1: I appreciate you for having me. Um, being part of the gates defending champs, it's a dream come true. It's a big blessing, especially living here in Texas. You know, everybody here was talking about it, so I'm just happy to be a part of it.
0: It's pretty cool, you know, the XFL is able to wrap up a season, get another champion, and legendary coach Bob Stoops, you know, even though he's still fairly raw in the professional space, but, uh, you know, he shows that he's a champion one way or another. doesn't matter what level he's going to coach at. Uh, that's got to be encouraging to join a team like that, and we know that the the space is always kind of a uh, forever evolving because you know, for lack of a better term, they're developmental leagues, they're opportunity leagues. So the roster may not look as similar as it did the season before, which also provides opportunity for someone like yourself. But before we dive into the XFL conversation, I always think it's very important and beneficial for our listeners if we begin with a little bit more of your backstory to provide them with a better understanding of who you are as a person and player. I understand you played your collegiate ball at division three Delaware Valley university. This is kind of going to be a little long winded, but can you walk us through how you were introduced to the game of football? What your recruitment process was, if there was any, because you know, some of these players like yourself that play lower levels, there seems to be, you know, a lack of it. And ultimately, just share what your collegiate journey was like in playing experience.
1: So pretty much all my life, my father, grandfather, and all my uncles, I grew up playing football. And right when I was about four or five years old, that's when my dad introduced me to football. And he's been my coach for pretty much the first five years of my uh, football career because he wanted to teach me the right way of football. I know there's a lot of things in these youth league football leagues that, you know, Some of it is just, you know, go out there and play the game of football. But, you know, he wanted to dissect the game for me at a young age to allow me to grow and grow each year until, you know, he cut off the leash and and allowed me to be coached by other players because he said eventually that was going to be the most important part. How am I going to be able to take coaching from other people that I don't see as my dad? So going through the youth football leagues, um, we was pretty successful. All the time up until I got to high school, we played playing in playoff games, big games, championship games. So that helped me a lot once I got to high school because the mindset to win and do things right was always there. Uh, once I got to my junior year of high school, towards the end, that's when recruitment for me kind of started to take shape. Um, I was starting to attend places like Monmouth, Coastal Carolina, Towson, those three places. I attended a lot. During that summer going into my senior year. But the biggest part that affected me in any recruiting was the second game of my senior year. I broke my leg. Probably one of the most unfortunate circumstances that could have happened to me at any point in my life. You know, you're a senior, so last year you're ever going to play high school sports again. You know, for a lot of people, that's the last time you probably get a chance to play football again, period. So it was kind of tough for me, especially not just on the football aspect but you know missing out on some of the school things like homecoming some of the senior parades not much you can really do when you got to be on crutches with a heavy cast on but um eventually I just kept fighting trying to get healthy and that's when Delaware Valley Coach Wilson who's now the strength and conditioning coach at East Carolina he reached out to me and wanted me to come up for a visit I had no idea who they were at the time but I did my research and Found out that Duke Greco coached there for a very long time. They took over the reins as a head coach not too long ago. Pretty pretty much successful career as a player and a coach. So once I got up there, you know they they shot me straight. You know it was like, hey, you got a chance to come here and play, but also win. And that to me was probably the biggest factor that made me want to go there. And when I got there, it wasn't just about football at that moment. It was like, where can I go to make me feel like I'm at home? where can I feel welcome and feel like I can learn not just to be a better football player, but a better person also. So once I got there, I mean, it was probably like one of the best experiences, but shocking at the same time, because it was like, okay, now you're doing everything on your own. There's nobody waking you up. There's nobody telling you what you have to do. You just kind of have to figure it out. And, you know, being at a smaller school like that, you don't have the resources that some of these big time D1 schools have. So It kind of made you grow up quicker. It kind of made you learn what type of person you were going to be, become an adult. And that's probably one of the biggest things I'm grateful for, because at that point in time, it was me versus me. Every day, every challenge was like, okay, how do I handle this? How can I make time management for that? And it just kind of made life easier, even after leaving
0: college. I've shared this with a lot of people. Obviously, I'm always intrigued with the lower collegiate experience because it is different. I'm a D3 product myself, even though I came from the soccer ranks, as I shared with you, you know, before we started the interview. But I'm a season ticket holder, or was a season ticket holder with Syracuse University football program before I moved down to Florida. And you can see just significant differences. I mean, the boosters and stuff. I mean, in D3 school, I went to. <laughs> the boosters were few and far between if there were any, and any type of money they are contributing yeah. were, trust me, it, like a D one program would laugh it off. Like be like, yeah. okay, it's like a small donation, but like, it's so different. Everything is so different. So I find it interesting for the guys that see it through and you're one of those guys. And, and it's kind of interesting because I had one of your teammates on from Del Val, I don't know if you're aware of Aaron Nelson had been on the show yeah. twice previously. <laughs> and, you know, so Aaron and I, he's one of the guys I, I really enjoy his story a little bit and getting the opportunity to know him because it's so real, you know, you're kind of a, a smaller receiver. He was very undersized weight wise when he came in and stuff. So now I'm not going to focus on Aaron here, but it's like you could just start seeing parallels, but you can start seeing how important DelVal's program is and how legit they are because Aaron was drafted in, in the lead right. up to 2023 with the Houston Rocknicks. So knowing that, and here you are, you know, DelVal, you know, you made a slightly different path because I understand you played in Mexico
1: professionally. Yeah. Yeah. I played in Mexico for the past two years. Um, of course, when I graduated from college towards, the spring of 2020, everything COVID happened. So that really derailed a lot of things for me. Um, you know, no pro day or nothing, such as like, it was very hard to get anything going. And then coming around to 2021, it's like, okay, some things are opening up, some things are going through, but it's kind of was one of those moments where it's like, they don't have the space or the protocols right now to bring Fifty to sixty guys around the country, or move to Canada. So at that point in time, it, it was a very tough journey. Um, you have no idea what's going to happen. You know, you hear one thing, then you see another. And, and being that player coming from a Division three school with no pro day or nothing to really stamp your name on any professional time for forty or camp, it made it a lot, a lot harder than what people may think. Like when people think, oh. When you see sports teams and camps, you just sign up and you get a guaranteed chance. You know, everybody's fighting for the chance. Everybody's fighting for the opportunity. And when you have that background and that profile to go into these camps, you know, it helps you jump off the page a little bit.
0: Mexico, it's not a place that a lot of people think of football. But it's growing in Mexico. So, I mean, those that really follow this alternative non-NFL pathway and know how like Mexico is booming and and Europe is is booming with teams and various leagues over there so it doesn't shock me because I've obviously been in the space long enough where I've spoken with plenty of players that have gone that way so how did that opportunity come about to go play in Mexico because I mean you did pretty well down there I looked at your numbers uh, the one year you had over 2,000 all-purpose yards, I think 20 touchdowns, something like you did very well down there. And I understand people are always going to be, well, different level of league, whatever, okay, you're always going to have people that are going to try to justify it in any way. But you performed well. It doesn't matter. You were a high performer there. How did that come about? You know, who who reached out to who? Was it you doing legwork thinking, hey, I got I to gotta think differently? Or was it somebody had to kind of talk you into or – Or kind of bring you around to that wave of thinking that your opportunity would have to come south of the border.
1: So um, it was actually just me scrolling through Instagram and I'd seen one of my friends who went to a tryout that before the league was called the Soy Family, which I played in in 2022. So I asked him, I was like, hey, how was this? How was that? You know, how did the teams look? You know, so I did a little research, Google a couple of the teams and I seen that they had a season also in 2020, both shut down due to COVID. So it was coming back again for the year 2022. So I was like, "Hey, I'm about to just you know go to a workout, go to a tryout." And the tryout actually went to Trent Richardson there, which played for the team that I played with was Chihuahua Cardinals, and went there, ran a a 4:340, did everything right. And first thing he told me, he was like, "Hey, bro, they like you. They're going to bring you in for sure." they haven't seen talent like this since they've been traveling looking for players. And they've been to probably like six to ten different cities by that time. So once I got there, um in the beginning of 2022, me personally, I made it my goal to say, hey, we've been out of football for about two years now. I've been doing this since I was five. Since five years old. Nothing's changed. It's football, no matter the location, no matter what time or what you gotta do. You just have to Prove to yourself again and to everybody else that you belong. So, once I drew that into my mind, since training camp and through all the games, I stuck with that. I stuck with that. And I always say, you're always as good as your last play. So, every game, every play, I try to make it my best. And no matter how much points or stats I put up the game before, it was always about what can I do the next game? Because there's always going to be a next game. You got about 10 games guaranteed. So, I had to make the most of the 10 games. So for me, being there was also kind of that D3 mindset. Now you're in a whole different country with a lot less resources than what you're used to. And I mean, we, we don't have that 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, schedules as far as how you would in college or the pros here. So, you know, you know, you got other players in Mexico working and you could practice at 7 o'clock at night. Uh, you have film session in the morning, you know, you're basically lifting by yourself, doing all these things. But the whole point of it all was, if I can survive here and knock off those bullet points and set the standard for myself, following a schedule and following the resume will be much easier in the future because now everything's mapped
0: out for you. When I researched you a little bit, I mean, there are clips, there are interviews, obviously, so you got some media attention, at least I don't know how much of it. So that opened the door to a, a professional way of life would be, right? Because at D3, there were so many cameras and microphones in your face. So, you know, I noticed you had that. So that obviously, like you said, you're making that transition, not just in the space of playing football, but what surrounds it and what some people like to call the circus, so to speak, mm-hmm. right, with the media and, and all that. Can you kind of just share how that helped you prepare for game days mentally as a person now walking the streets? I don't know if, you know, they care about football the way that, you know, they would hear if you're recognized. Did that kind of change your life in any way that you weren't necessarily prepared for?
1: So I would say a little bit it did, but in a good way. Um, Like I said, we were playing in Chihuahua. Chihuahua not that far from El Paso. My owner Jorge Gifty was probably one of the best owners as far as that league is set up as far as setting that standard to be a professional football team. What I mean by that is community events show halftime shows everything you can think of that you would want to see or have for a professional football team. That's what he did. So when you talk about like the media and you know the the fans and everything, yeah, there'll be times where you go to the store, we at a restaurant somewhere. Everybody smiles, asks for pictures, asks for autographs, and for me, it was kind of like a big life come around because I can remember being as a kid being that way, seeing a professional football player that I know, and just having that same smile or asking for that autograph, so it made me appreciate the game a lot more and I say every time you appreciate this game of football because you never know when it can be over it it just does something to your heart and mind, so once those games and everything come like you you feel like this is your happy place, this is where you belong, this is what it is. It just made the games a lot more in tune with myself as far as performance levels. That expectation that I put for myself was always put on myself. It didn't matter how much media or how much people expected me to do, I know what I was capable of, and that's what kind of driven me to be the type of player I was, especially there in Mexico for two years. Basically, winning back-to-back MVPs as receivers—pretty much unheard of. So it was—it was just something that just gave me extra motivation because now I'm like, okay, people are seeing the talent, they are seeing the skill. So I just had to keep going. I had to keep going.
0: Without diving too much into your time at Mexico, because I want to honor the time that I had shared with you. It's opportunity, and I know players are always striving for film. Right. Film, film, film. That's everyone's just trying to get it. coming from a D3 program. You don't have as much of it, like how people would come out of Division One or Power Five schools would have a plethora because they're on every major television network, probably being <laughs> recorded, and they could just easily get it from their own programs that have the vault, so to speak, of plethora right. of practice film, Spring Foot, all of that. Where you come from somewhere that didn't have it. So, how vital was playing in Mexico in? actually essentially in creating your, your footage that you probably relied on or will continue to rely on as you progress through your career.
1: It was absolutely the biggest part um, because with that, has what five or six, maybe combines this summer. A lot of people attended, a lot of people who also attended haven't played football in probably a couple of years now. So For me to have that film for two years in a row, showing improvement from year one to year two, the stats may look similar, but it was the small things that I made better. And that was the biggest difference in why the Renegades took me. Because the one thing they really talk about, which Rick Mueller is probably one of the best guys i talked to, which is like the GM for the Renegades, he told me, he's like, hey, the thing that we like about you the most is you're doing the impossible. You went to Mexico two years, not only did you put up great stacks one time, but you did it again. And when I tell people about overseas or arena, yeah, it may not be what you thought of growing up when you was five years old, but it makes a big difference because now you're playing on a 100-yard field or even a 50-yard field. You're going against town. No matter where people play that, whatever it may be, heart will always be time. And if you got the heart to do anything, I promise you people are going to recognize it. And just go there and just dominate. The more you dominate, I promise you people will watch. It's like, would you rather dominate for four cone drills or would you dominate for four quarters and 10 games? That's one of the biggest, biggest difference that I can say that really helped me a lot.
0: I can vouch 100%, you know, Mueller's sharing that with you, but I've spoken with coaches and staff because I've attended these showcases and they're very adamant about the player that sits at home and just practices in their controlled setting versus the players that are playing and seeing game, you know, reps, <clears throat> reps in practice, whether it's cones, you know, you can run the, all the drills you want in a controlled setting versus games, reading an actual game, reading the defense for you in front of you. And knowing who you're up against and understanding what their strengths and weaknesses are versus a drill, you might run over 10 times over. Well, if you're lining up against the same guy, but it's different when the game is changing the defensive front and how many defensive backs are they in man? Are they in zone? There's so much more different than a, a drill. Or, you know, a, a controlled situation. So I totally understand that because I've, I've heard it from the coaches and DPPs where they're like, this is how important it is to find the players, one, that are going to make sure they're getting game reps. And that's why the XFL, like any other league, is important for the NFL because that's Rahm. what they want. They don't want guys sitting stagnant because the only you're going to improve is by playing the game. So you're right. It's a sacrifice. And one way or another, and you know, kudos to you for going outside of the norm. Because I don't know how many people would even consider Mexico when you did it, and you were successful in doing it. Obviously, because it did lead to a conversation with Mueller and the yeah. Ten Renegades, because they have your rights, they secured you your rights. So, can you walk us through a little bit more how that opportunity came about?
1: So, last year went to XFL, and actually went to come back. I actually had a conversation, a couple of conversations with me while I was in Mexico. So that's probably about maybe June or July. That's the first time I ever talked to him. That whole summer, I was kind of stuck in between of what may happen. Mexico, for sure, for the year 2023, this past year, was going to offer me a, a pretty good contract. And in 2022, waiting for the XFL, I had a few workouts with the San Antonio team talking to Rick Mueller, but I didn't feel like I had enough connections across the board or enough film the way I wanted it to be to really make that big leap. And the whole part of I mean, I didn't have a film was, yeah, I caught a lot of screens and took a lot of keep returns and returns and, you know, a few catches, but I didn't feel like I was showing myself as a pure route runner being my height. And... You know, in the first year of XFL, you have no idea what's happening. You see thousands of names pop up for the draft portal and everything like that. So, before the XFL draft came up, I texted neither because probably the only team in the red games that kind of constantly, like you know, kept in touch. It was once every two months or whatever they did. I said, "Hey, I'm gonna go back to Mexico this this year for 2023." to show you how different of a player I can be from year one and year two. You know, he completely respected me. He said, hey, you know, you just got to do what you got to do. And, you know, they've looking forward to see it. Coming around to 2023. they win their championship. We go 10-0 in Mexico win our championship. About two weeks when I get back to the United States, this is probably like June 20th, Rick uh, Mueller gives me a call and say, hey, you ready to be a renegade or what? Because about a week ago, I sent them that that film from the second year. I sent them like everything like, hey, this is the new product. I'm talking about myself. That next week, it called me. Hey, you ready to be a renegade or what? I said, you damn right. <laughs> I said, you damn right. So, I mean, like I said, I mean, it was, people would say it was probably a dumb decision to go back year two. Should have just waited and see what could have happened if other year one but I was just like, something deep inside told me was like, I feel like I can do something better or make something better. So I stuck with that, I stuck with the decision, and all year, that second year in Mexico, that's all I was thinking about. I was like, okay, what can I do to be show people that I am a complete full receiver? Not just somebody who can catch screens or catch punts or catch kicks, but a full receiver. And, you know, being my height, the first thing people probably would say is like, oh, you're a running back? Oh, no, I'm a receiver. And, you know, they're kind of like, okay, well, let's see. And then they come to film. They see the route running. They see beating up people for countries in traffic. They see the being able to stretch the field. They just see everything. And my whole point was, how can I show people to put me on the field no matter what it may be? Why should I take this guy off the field is what they should be asking themselves, you know? So that was my biggest goal. And like I said, trust in yourself. Trusting everything you do and good things will happen. And coming back here to know that Rick Mueller gave me that call, I'm forever in depth Probably one of the biggest, happiest moments in my life. So this off season, everything was all dedicated to that man just giving you the opportunity and chance.
0: Well, you bet on yourself going to Dell You bet on yourself going to Mexico once, twice. And now the XFL opportunity is at your feet. This is just testament to people that need it, that are always striving for, well, you know, take it the easy road. Well, it's not always easy because the easy road may have given you the XFL opportunity, but God forbid that you weren't prepared for it and you squandered yeah. it. So therefore you never got it again. So you, you double down, you bet on yourself again by going back to Mexico. And this time, it appears right. You never know until you really get into it, but it appears you're more prepared for this XFL opportunity or this next stepping stone to progress your career. And, you know, again, that's things that, that can be commendable and people should really appreciate from a fan point of view, because you guys are professionals. You are putting in the work, you know, and I know sometimes everyone's like, Oh, this is like semi pro ball, whatever. Some of these, casual you know i call them casual fans they claim they're football fans but they're more they're nfl fans of anything because they're not full football fans because they don't support it at every level to me a real football fan is somebody supporting it at whatever degree of uh, college football whether it's arena uh, these alternative leagues and obviously the national football league so i think it's very commendable so kudos to you for doing that so now you're in this space i and i know that The XFL is kind of in this weird area right now with this looming merger. We know that they announced their intent to merge back in September. A few weeks ago, they made it clear that they made it through their regulatory view process at the federal level. And they have now set a combined date of March 30th to kick off. We don't know. There's still a lot of things that need to be ironed out between the two sides to streamline their operations into one. So we don't know what that means for teams and stuff. And I'm not asking you to shed any light. You probably don't know anything more than the next person because it's all to be determined. It's all work in progress. But with that being said, that puts you in a weird spot, right? You're a player. You're preparing. You have this opportunity ahead of you. What kind of communication are you having from the team, right? I mean, have you had any conversations with Coach Stoops? Anything from um, the OC Hayes? Have you progressed beyond just talk with the DT, uh, DPP Mueller? Uh, I'm just kind of curious where you're at as far as maybe you know, we don't know when camp's starting, but it's not that far away if you start to think.
1: So, um, the last time I talked to Stoops was probably when they called me down to meet everybody at the XFL combine where they had. I think it was maybe August, maybe I'm wrong, but um, so I went down there, talked to them, checked uh chat up with them for about uh, forty five minutes to an hour and a half, I think. Um but since then, uh most person I talked to is probably Perez or that Luis Perez. I talked to him a couple of times after love. Like I said, it's, it's kinda of hard because like I said, nobody really knows anything. We don't really know much. There's not much to talk about. But I did talk to uh, Mueller actually yesterday. XFL is probably sending me over my letter intent to sign later today and stuff like that. So, I mean, I know some teams uh, get a little contact from their DPP most of the time. I'm not sure if they have like a rule or nothing right now. And you're not really supposed to be with the head coach as much. I don't know. But from what I hear, people yeah. from other teams, USFL, XFL, the DPP is probably the it that sends out the most information. You know, I feel like everything's cool. I think nobody wants to say the wrong thing. So I guess it's probably best just to be a little bit quiet to so things get mapped
0: out. I understand. That's why I wasn't looking for any earth-shattering right. news and any listeners looking for it. You guys are in the dark. I mean, probably just about as much as we are on the outside looking in. I mean, the only thing is you're having some discussions, and... Like you mentioned, hey, your letter of intent could be coming over practically any minute to be uh, right. to get signed, which is you know also encouraging. It's a step in the right direction, but I think it's pretty cool you're having conversations with you know Luis Perez and whatnot, and you know anything's an opportunity one to break the ice with coaching staffs, teammates. I mean, is there any dialogue of like, okay, this is what you can expect from the team you're coming in? This is kind of how we. I mean, like, is Luis kind of? more of a, a brotherly welcome kind of thing or is it kind of like, hey, when you come in, I'm just going to kind of get you, a l- you know, a little bit of the, w- what you should expect before you don't come in totally shocked. What, is yeah, so it's like kind of
1: that? like, that's kind of like a combo deal because like when Perez, is kind of like a brotherly love, open arms kind of thing. Like, you know, to like all the guys that's been signed but also that, um having Caleb Bender here, year, one of the receivers from last year on the Renegades, you know, he's, comes with us to join and run routes and stuff here in Texas with the uh, quarterbacks because he just moved out here a couple of months ago. So with him, it's kind of different. It's kind of like, you know, this is what they expect on this, this is expect on that because we have that space and that time to really like, you know, focus on those things. So I would say from like, from those two, the people that I met most, it's kind of like a combo deal from both of them. And, you know, it just shows you what kind of team you're walking into. So like, they're good guys. They're very calm, very collective, You know, they're very humble also. And, you know, their whole thing is just like they just want to get better. Just want to get better. into the season, I'm pretty sure once you get closer to February, you know, a lot more things will be mapped out, especially as far as, like, if this uh, camp date stays for sure, for sure, and everything else like that. But, you know, before the, everything was announced, you know, it was kind of taking, you know, that step in the direction to kind of get guys together to, you know, catching through but that got shut down. But you know, we we like I said it's just, we're just trying to figure it out so so big so much. But they're good
0: guys. You alluded a while back or you shared that you ran a 4-3. So obviously that's where Sonic comes from. Who give you the nickname or referred to as Sonic for the first time?
1: It was our uh, owner president in Mexico. <laughs> They they started at first, but they were saying Sonny, so, You know, they got like a little accent. But then once they said Sonic, it kind of took over the whole city, then the whole country, and then we had a Sonic mascot at the championship game this past year. So like, it blew a pretty big. Honestly, I, I think it fits. But it was it was pretty cool to have that nickname, and then once you get that nickname, you got Sonic movies coming out and everything. So like I said, I, I guess like everything just falls into place.
0: Yeah, timing, right? I mean, it's just one way or another. It's meant to be. You know, some people it is, some people it's not. But it's just kind of, that is interesting, the timing of all the Sonic stuff, because it is, it's all crazy. craze. I have a, a foster son, and obviously he loves Sonic. Uh, Sonic the <laughs> movie, Sonic PJs, toys, anything, t-shirt, yeah, it's all, it's, it's Sonic everything. So, no, you're right. I mean, it almost kind of fitting, though, color-wise, the blue scheme now, going to the, the Renegades, it's almost still meant to be, like where you're headed that, you know, you could almost kind of make that tie in one way or another if you wanted to. So no, I, yeah. I, I thought I had to ask because I'm like, yeah, obviously it's speed driven, but I just got to know where the name comes from because nicknames origins can either be a really good story or a really bad story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know, but I'm like, I have to ask. I have a feeling there's going to be a good origin. So it's a good share. So, you know, here you are, you're waiting you got to keep yourself ready. I mean, now you, mm-hmm. you, you've you been a professional athlete for a while. It's not something that you can kind of just rest on your laurels, so to speak. So what are you doing to keep yourself in, um, in prime shape, but also healthy, right? Because you don't sure. want to be bouncing back and forth. So how are you juggling everything? What's your routine so, looking like?
1: Well, like I said, like I'm a big person all about time and everything it comes together for a reason. Well, I moved to Texas in 20, in 2020. And, you know, I did there. Soul for the Purpose, growing up in Baltimore, Maryland. You know, we don't really have that factor of indoor training, constant places to throw and everything else when it gets cold, so I moved down here. And this off season, one of the biggest persons that I resemble my game from, watch a lot of his tape, luckily I had the last four, maybe five months to train with him, was Tavon Austin. So training with him by far took my – Knowledge of football, knowledge of receiving, and knowledge of the pro to a whole different level. So, with that being said, majority of the time, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we are running routes. Probably once or twice a week, we get some one on one shadow win, just, you know, just just to keep the feet hot. Just to keep the feet hot. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we are lifting, paired out with some conditions, some plyos. And on Wednesday afternoons, we get in, I was getting therapy. At the thought, that the season was going to start maybe January. You know, I cut down some things, add a little bit of therapy on Wednesdays and Fridays. So now we're at that point now because we built up so much uh, work during the off season, thinking we'll start in January. We're kind of like taking like a D cell part for this next two weeks, you know, give the body a little break, let the tensions and everything, whatever people may feel, a little rest with Christmas coming up. And then we're going to jump right back on to it like January 1st. When you hear February 7th, 16th, you may think that's a lot of time, but not really. You know, playing receiver, you got to get ready to run, jump and cut every day, maybe five or six days straight. So that's kind of what we're preparing for, getting um, the legs refreshed for that to come January
0: 1st. There's still a lot of time. It doesn't seem like a whole lot, but there's still a lot of time. Still a lot of time to – to keep yourself occupied and not get, especially this time of year, Thanksgiving, you got, you know, the holidays, whether it's Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, you got New Year's. It's easy to sit down and start all, it's all the, the junk food. It's good tasting holiday food that people are making all these little side dishes and desserts. It's easy to start falling off the wagon, so to speak. So that's why I ask, you know, There's still a lot of time, but you gotta stay focused. So and and I know you're a professional, so you are. So it's always kinda interesting to see how people are approaching that.
1: It gets hard, you know, some days are harder than others to get out of bed. Like you think about the off season being about maybe five to six months itself. So, you know, not every day you wake up is that driving factor because you're like, Well, you're being stuck in that controlled setting. So, you know, it's not the practices, you're not getting a chance, you know. Playing a football game on Saturday has something you really look forward to. So, you know, some days it does get hard, but I will say with the holidays kind of being where it's at, it gives you that, like, sense of relief, that that extra factor to, you know, enjoy life a little bit more and not focus on, you know, just training or some people, you know, maybe working right now. So with the holidays, I can see a big bonus and a blessing because now you get to hang out with your friends, smile, watch some football. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you, you get to watch plenty uh you know, the NFL, college bowl games and all that. It's a, you know, playoff, whether you like who's in it or who's not, that's always an interesting piece in of itself. Not that we're going to get into college football, but, you know, one last question, I guess, before we, we wrap this up, seeing that you are a pretty unknown commodity here in the football world, what? should renegade fans or even people in Texas because there's, you know, three teams as it stands right now in Texas. So you might see a good amount of people traveling between Houston and Arlington and Arlington and San Antonio and whatnot. So there could be, so what, what can the people of Texas and the renegade nation there come to expect from a player like you to see what you're going to bring to the team?
1: Just a certified playmaker. One of the biggest things about me is I don't need 500 catches to make something happen. One play is pretty much all I need. One play, one touch, whatever it may be, that's the type of player I live myself on. And one thing about that that I always realize in football is people are going to want to watch the player that, you know, makes you hold your breath when they have a, a ball in your hands. You think of the Devin Hesters, the Tavon Austin, the Tyree Kills, is like, once it, once they touch the ball, you know the ball is going to them. You just got nothing to do but stand up on your feet and just watch. And I don't say that to be like conquering anything, but you know, I'm such a quiet person, but the play will speak for itself. And once that happens, like you said, people travel a lot of Texas and love uh, Texas football here. There's going to be a lot more people in the seats because it's definitely going to be a show to watch.
0: I'm definitely intrigued. I watched I some of your highlights and stuff. It's, always wise for other fans to dig in to see what what you come yeah i mean, your nickname is fitting <laughs> i'll say that to say the least but one it has been a pleasure i appreciate you taking the time and having you on the show sharing your football journey and being acquired by the arlington renegades you know i wish you nothing but the best of health and luck as i do all players because there's a lot that goes into it and This lead up also presents, you know, a lot of things that could put a wrinkle in something. So hopefully, you know, everything goes well for you in the lead up because I love to have you back. So consider this an open invitation to come back once that Renegade's journey is kicked off or is completed. I don't want to necessarily interrupt your season, but I'd love to to catch up with you sometime and see how that experience was for you. And uh, hopefully it leads to another championship for you guys.
1: Yeah, i definitely love to come back. You know, guys like you was what allows players like us to be able to get noticed, uh, get our stories out, because, you know, everybody's football story is different. And I think the more people understand football players and their journey, you know, it helps helps a lot to build a connection between players and fans. So this right here is definitely big, not just for us players, but also for you giving us that
0: platform. Well, i love to do my part. So before you go, let's help you build – a little bit more recognition within the community. Where can some of our listeners find you, whether it's your social media accounts, so they can follow you in your journey?
1: Uh, so for, for me on Instagram, it's 1-3-O-N-E-E-3, one, three, three, two underscores after that. Um, if you want to pop in and watch any of the highlight tapes, they're also on YouTube. Just type in Juwan Manadil. It'll be a 2022 season holiday tape. My first year in Hill in 2023 from this past season. It's pretty much where you can find me or if you can find me on Xbox. <laughs> Xbox name is Soundvision. Vision. Uh, it's going to add me on Call of Duty and Fortnite, but definitely there too.
0: Right. Perfect. Thank you, Juan. Yeah. Anyone who has followed the show for a while knows I enjoy these type of player interviews. Juwan's Division Three collegiate experience and journeyman pathway of playing in Mexico add to his determination and grit. It is great to see his hard work noticed and rewarded with an opportunity with the Arlington Renegades in the upcoming 2024 season. During our conversation on Wednesday, Juwan alluded to waiting to receive his letter of intent paperwork, which he has since received and submitted. His letter of intent signing was included in the XFL Communications Department's announcement on December 15th. Unfortunately, we do not have any fan line messages this week. If you have an XFL-related comment, question, or hot take, and would like to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you are interested in checking out our friends over at True Victory, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Player54, for 15% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.